the city as if it were unborn, rising into the sky with fingers of metal, limbs without flesh, girders without stone, signs hanging without support, wires dipping and swaying without poles, a city unborn, flesh dissolved in an acid of light, a city of the dead. That city is surely populated by countless filmmakers who have been inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide through the world of H.P. Lovecraft inspirations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I'm Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be talking about 1963's X, The Man with X-Ray Eyes, written by Ray Russell and Robert Dillon, and directed by the late, great Roger Corman. Um, Wait, Wait, late, great? I think he's still alive. Is he still alive? Yeah, I think he's like 120, but no, I, I, I could have swore he's still alive. <laughs> oh shit, he is still alive. Wow. Yeah, he, he's, he's a, he, yeah, he's, wow, he's 96. Holy shit. Wow, I, wow, I apologize for my blasphemy. I genuinely thought he had passed away. Um, I mean, he's still active, too. He's still producing, still. Crazy. I mean, is he still active, or is this like a Stan Lee scenario where like people are just still doing shit while he's like kind of comatose and unaware and sort of like, yes, this is what Roger Corman wants? Well, I know he's not. I know he's not comatose because he always does like guest spots on like podcasts and yeah and stuff. Like he does sometimes like a random like trailer from hell with you know Joe Dante's company. Oh, okay. So like you know he's still active, and I think that's like pretty cool. Like that, mm-hmm. even to this day from. When did he start? Uh, 1954. Pretty Jeez. good, pretty long career right there. <laughs> right. I, I guess. I, I guess maybe in my brain, I filed him under sort of the or subconsciously maybe I filed him under the John Carpenter category of like sure he's alive but he's not his filmmaking career is 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 done like he is right. he is no longer an active filmmaker which uh, it seems like I'm even uh, wrong about that but. Um, it seems but, like he's more active in filmmaking than Carpenter has been. <laughs> like it's kind of crazy, actually. Yeah, that's, that's very strange. Though he um he did he did uh survive, um two of these the two of this film stars uh, Ray Milland and Don Rickles. Um he's he has outlived both of them. Yeah. <laughs> um really strange to see um Don Rickles um in uh in this movie. Uh, also, yeah, I, I feel so stupid about this. Like there there's just. You ever have one of those like brain farts when it comes to movies? Because I was watching this the whole time, and obviously Ray Milland, yeah. Dial M for Murder, um, Oscar oh, winner for The Lost Weekend. Yeah. Um, but the whole time I'm thinking like, wow, the dude from Night of the Hunter really didn't age well. Um, that is, of course, Robert Mitchum, an entirely yeah. different human being. Um, yeah, Ray but, Milland. I, 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 we, we, we uh, message each other like, uh, actually, I'm, I'm like, like a huge fan of Ray Milland. Like even in trashy cinema like he like would do later on yeah well yeah it's funny that like oh yeah you you were like oscar nominated and uh you were in some like really big films you know like and then it's like and you know like a lot of a lot of these actors like him like uh you know you could even say like even though they weren't to me they to me they weren't slumming but like vincent price you know boris karloff you mm-hmm. know, and like you know peter laurie you know, Corman had like he kind of like you know, you could say just brought them back to like some sort of um, I guess you could say fame in a different way. Like you know, they were known twenty years or whatever, thirty years before as what whatever they were, and then they continued their careers. And Ray Milland, like you know, he just, I mean, like a lot of these actors, they worked till the day they died. 
You know, oh, yeah. they just mm -hmm. kept working and working because not because they needed the money. It's just some of them just they just love to work. And they, you know, no matter what role they I mean, you know, this film, I'm you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I like this film, but it's a trashy Corman film. Like, you know, it's it's a high concept sci-fi idea. Mm. But, you know, made for, less, you know, less than $300,000. And even back then, that was still looked upon as like, oh, that's a cheapie. You know, mm. that's that's garbage. And like, that'll be like a double feature in cinemas. And this was actually a double feature with um, Dementia 13, that Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, yeah, okay. Corman produced film, which yeah. mm -hmm. is just funny. To, it's just funny to me. Like, okay, you know, and that's what Corman did. Corman, you know, his, he's famous for never losing a penny on any of his films yeah. and there's a reason for it he shot cheap and when he had other people shoot you know films you could only do it for this much you can't do anything else and like i mean hell it's so famous that when he made what like bucket of blood and then mm -hmm. they still had the sets and like two days oh we slept two days uh let's write a script on a little sharp of horrors <laughs> right like, like two days to film that movie which became this famous you know in other ways for the musical and stuff. So I'm always like, I don't know, I have a soft spot for Corman films, no matter how bad they might be. Right. Not, not the not the later produced stuff like Sharktopus and that shit. I, that that I'm, I don't care for. But I don't know. There's something about like these, you know, Ray Milan's giving it his all in this film. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, you know, I see the good. But let me ask you. Yeah. Um, do you think... I mean, there are elements of cosmic horror, especially later on, but like when I was thinking about it while watching, I'm going, not only is this Lovecraftian or whatever, but like, is like, yes, I know he made it right after filming, uh, what, the Dumb Horror? I think they, this was like the follow up. No, 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 because the Dunwich Horror was 71. This is oh, 63. 71. He, so this was right before. The Haunted right. Palace, which the was the Palace. first, yeah, the, the first like Lovecraft okay. official Lovecraft adaptation on on film. Okay, so well, watching this, I you know, I mean, we could always stretch out elements of like, oh yes, that can be Lovecraft. And like I said, towards the end of this film, which we'll get into, they start to peek at it. They start to like kind of give you a little like the, about the eye and something <clears throat> like more. And it's, and I mean, of course, it's during like a Christian like tent revival type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course it looks, you know, but other than that and some of the, like the imagery, like, which I actually kind of like the, the x-ray imagery because I mean, it's horrific. Like I would not want to fucking live with this. Like but no. this is terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, especially like when he says like something like, like some of the lines, like when, when it's almost like funny, but also like, oh my God, imagine like, even when you shut your eyes, you still see everything because yeah. you mm. have X-ray vision, so you you see through your eyelids. That that is horrific. That is actually one of the scariest things I can think of. So it's like, how how like why would you want to do this to yourself? Yeah, like I understand. Like in the beginning, it's like, oh, I can help people. I can see, and he does that. But then that kind of that you know him helping that that one girl ends up being like the downfall of his whole life mm -hmm. really fast too which which actually okay that's the other thing i like about corman films 79 minutes yeah pretty it, it, it is a it's it's breezy, breezy. and brief um yes. i i don't know this was a weird movie because i i don't know if it was based on anything that we talked about 
uh, or if I misread something, but I was under the assumption this guy, that the premise was this guy gets x-ray vision, <clears throat> which not only allows him to see through physical material, but actually starts seeing through reality, like dimensions, basically. Right, which is almost like the end is like going into that territory. Yeah, the very and, end. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's like, and I, you know what? I think the other reason we picked this one is I think in 2019, this was at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Okay. Um, I think that's why. I think we. that's why we kind of had this in our mindset from the beginning because, yeah, I think it was 2019 and they actually had Roger Corman go there to actually talk about the film. So, mm-hmm. and like, because I was looking at art, you know, like one of their, their page earlier and it's like, they, they keep saying cosmic horror, cosmic horror about this. I'm like, I think you're selling it a little too, <laughs> a little too much. I mean, while I enjoy it, it's like, eh, would I call this cosmic horror? No, maybe a little bit adjacent. And if that's if you like watch the whole thing. Yeah, there's there's the groundwork for so I would honestly like to see this movie get remade. Like I, I would I would love to 100%. see an update. Um, 100%. You know who actually almost remade this film? Hmm. Tim Burton. Oh, yeah, I did read about that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which, is, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I don't know what era Tim Burton that was, though. Like I, it doesn't say. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, if it was like early Tim Burton. Okay, that'd be interesting if it's like Tim Burton now. I don't know. I don't yeah, know I mean, you know, if we had, if you had like a, you know, I don't know why they pop in my head, but if you had like Benson and Moorhead, you know, try oh. and remake this film or something. But, Ooh, uh, that'd be cool. but I, I mean, the, the groundwork or, or there, there's some seeds here. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I would say this movie is is barely Lovecraftian. I mean, it has, yeah. like I said, it kind of has some groundwork where a a better story could take it could build upon it and take it in a direction because you do have yeah you have that monologue at the end where like sure i was kind of reminded when he talks about like the eye at the at the center of the universe like sounds a lot like azathoth you know this thing which is just right. at the center of reality which is horrifying and like you know the antithesis of this organized religion when he walks in on this like tent revival thing um and you do have the kind of the standard lovecraftian setup of a man of reason and rationale and science embarks upon uh, or, or 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 stumbles upon some discovery which open pardon the, the bad play on words and pun opens his eyes to a reality which everyone was sort of unaware existed outside of their physicality or their their physical experience with the world but it really is just about a man who has x-ray vision and how that causes a lot of problems for him like there's there's not a there's not a ton at, at, at play when it comes to anything that is existential or kind of um, right. You know, it, it really is just about like, hey, this guy can see through things and all the problems that causes. And right, right, and it's and that's true. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, if you go by the timeline, okay, he's doing this research, and we see he has this monkey who then has a heart attack after seeing something. Right. You're like, oh, oh, what did he see? Ah, he's just an animal. Mm-hmm. A, a, a person, I have to do it. And then his friend, the, the I guess the friend is an optometrist, is like, don't do it. <laughs> but you got to help me. Okay, I will. And then they <laughs> do it. And it works. But he gets into like a semi-coma mm-hmm. from just the initial like drips. Because he does two of them. Yeah. Oh, I want more. So right from the start, he's like addicted to it. 
And mm. that's the thing too. Like he keeps up until the end, he keeps doing it. And I, I do like the reveal of like his eyes later on. Like it's like just taking over. And and again, yeah, that's cool. Like in in a like you know this is like while I while I enjoy this film, this is ripe for a cool like you know remake. Like you said, like a Benson and Moorhead or so, someone fresh and like you know wanting to try. You know this 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 idea like it's there. You know, and like there are elements of this of, you know, him like just going crazy right from the start and like accidentally kills his friend, which is almost the most comical way to die. Like you just like get away from me. It's ridiculous. And, like it's so it's so ridiculous. Like like I actually forgot about this. I had seen this film like years ago when I I have like this old Roger Corman set, and it was one of the first ones I watched, and I'm like. Oh my god, I forgot about, how how do I forget that dummy death? Like the dummy's just on the floor. And like right from the start, oh you're a wanted man now. And this whole time you also have this, you know, then you have like these weird like before that, you have these weird little comedic scenes where he's starting to see, oh, everyone naked. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like played like like a comedy for like a brief second and then like murder. <laughs> Again, <laughs> Corman is very breezy and like he initially wanted wanted this film to be about a a jazz musician yeah. who like did a lot of drugs and then had x-ray vision and then even even Corman said yeah after five pages of writing that goes that's not a good idea it should be like a scientist a doctor because mm-hmm. you know but again it's it's there's stuff there there's, there's like these elements that are like oh that's really cool and then like and like you know, Don Rickles is a really good scumbag. Yeah, yeah. You know, like taking advantage of him. But again, just is such a fast timeline of like he escapes, then he's like working as this like sideshow freak, and yeah. then he, like and then like they they leave there after like a month, and then he's doing like the weird side doctor thing. Yeah, like you mm-hmm. know, in a like a little tenement, and like. You know Daisy, I think, right? So they, she finds him like nothing. Like, oh, I found you after a month. So it's like <laughs> only been like two months, and like this guy has lived like seventeen lives, and like still like that bottle lasted him a freaking long time. It did, like, um, still, right? It, it's just that one bottle that he had. Yeah, it, and it, like, it is it is Diane Diane Fairfax as Diane. played by Diana Vandervilles. Uh, Vandervilles, yes, yes. Um, yeah, so. Uh, why why I want to see this movie remade yes is because it has such potential it is a cool concept this guy who oh, yeah. embarks on this scientific experiment which you think would have superficial surface level benefits which it does but then has mm-hmm. unintended physical and existential consequences that's a cool arc but also right for the love of God, I want a movie in which the rules of its universe make sense because nothing in this movie makes sense. Now, I would like to start because I have many complaints about this movie, many criticisms of it. I would like to start with some things that I enjoyed about it. Um, okay. Number one is, as you've already mentioned, like its sense of humor. It's got a sense of humor, at least at the beginning yes. when you know things are kind of going well. He, he's kind of like when he's giddy and gleeful, when he realizes he can see everyone naked and he's kind of like, yeah, eh, you know, okay. it, that's, that could be, a, because let's be honest, 
most people would want that. You know, they would want to have that ability if they had that. That's what Don Rickles says. Don yeah. Rickles even says that, oh, what would you want the power? Oh, so I could see all the naked women. Yeah. That's, okay. There he is. You know, most people are, um, as David Fincher says, um, most people are perverts. Uh, and so that's what they would want. Um right. So that's kind of fun. Um, there are some cool little little kind of like reveal things like um, at that, you know, at that party scene, what we first see is like a doctor with like an injection, like you need to inject just the right amount. And then it cuts oh, yeah. to wide and you realize they're actually putting alcohol into like a mixer into like a shot. That's that's pretty funny. Um, yeah. And even, you know, you have this POV shot where Diana and the doctor are talking to him. Um, and sort of like, you need rest, you know, settle down, we'll get back to this tomorrow. And then it cuts back, and then he's like, you know, we'll take the bandages off tomorrow. And then it's a reveal of him, oh, I had bandages on? Like, of course, right. we didn't know he had bandages on because he didn't know he had bandages on because he would have been able to see through that stuff. Like, so there's, yeah. there is some cool yes. little, like, you know, uh, there is some coolness which um, kind of plays with it. Uh, Dick Miller as the heckler, the way that he just kind of gets, like, thoroughly uh -huh. undressed in the, the uh, Mentalo show. Um, yes. which is also funny because I, I, I was, I was watching that. And I'm just like, that guy looks so, is that the dude from Gremlins? And sure enough, yep. It's, yep. it's Dick Miller. In, it's, in every Roger Corman and Joe Dante film. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> uncredited role as just heckler. Um, <laughs> so, which is, a and, and, you know, a great, like, listen, I, I don't know a ton about Don Rickles when he was a comedian, you know, I know he was an mm -hmm. insult comic, like heckler, that kind yes. of stuff, but you also just, I do get the sense that kind of his lines were unscripted. You're like, hey, where'd you get yeah. that shirt? Like, oh, the same Army Navy surplus store where you got your stuff. Or like, hey, can you tell me where my wife is? Like, she's flying on a broom around the pier. Like, you get yeah. the sense that, like, that was probably just Don Rickles, like, riffing, basically. 100%. 100%. Like, like they took him right from Vegas and just said, hey, you want to come for a few <laughs> days and just make fun of people? And have a little role. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, having said all that, I'm gonna, roll, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves here man this movie doesn't make any sense like this movie doesn't make any sense in in regarding um where its narrative goes and why it goes there um you know like i you could if you told me that this sh that this film was entirely improvised i would believe it because of just like i want to i, I want to pick on two specific examples of one how this movie is kind of a mess in regards to its narrative and two, how it's kind of a mess regarding in regards to its technical aspect from the narrative standpoint, it doesn't really make a ton of sense that a doctor who is on the run from the law for, as we've already established, comically knocking his best friend out the window. <laughs> and, and, and before that, malpractice so he was losing his job as a doctor as is right because he sliced <laughs> another doctor's hand to stop and him and save the, the girl well you're not supposed to do that dude it's okay yeah. i understand you want to be a hero but you can't do that <laughs> um but just the absurd thing of like well we we got to get him on the run somehow how do we get him on the run i don't know maybe he knocks his best friend out of the window of a of a of the skyscraper yeah um Whoa. but what I certainly didn't expect and what I yeah. couldn't wrap my head around was, okay, so this high profile doctor on the run from the law running down the stairs, side note, that's also a budget limitation. You have this one yeah. set of stairs, but you shoot it in such a different, in so many different ways to make it seem like he's mm -hmm. going downstairs. Cool. Yes. I, I, I certainly appreciate that from, from low budget yeah. constraints. 
the next scene and the next logical step in his life is to be a carnival sideshow act. I, you know, and look, look, I agree 100% with you. I'm not even saying, no, what are you talking about? That makes sense. No, it doesn't. That's why I'm saying it's such a breezy movie where you're like, wait, how did he, how did he come up with the idea? Go, you know what? I'm going to hide out at this fucking carnival. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to give a side note. I think at that time from the 50s and the 60s, that was a weird thing with like films. Mm-hmm. I think the idea was, well, what do you do like when you want to get away from everything? Run away and join the circus. I really think that's like an idea that people had. Mm-hmm. Like 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 legit. Like, oh shit, what do I do? Uh well, nobody's gonna look for us here because that's where all the freaks are. <laughs> Nobody wants to hang out with the freaks. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen like movies like freaks, you know, like, oh yeah. one of us, you know. And like that's to one extreme. But like I, I really think that's the idea. Like like this because I think it's been done in multiple Corman films where where do you hide out? I'll hide out in that circus or that carnival, like down the road, like past like the, you know, the railroad station. Like, it doesn't make sense. Not one friggin' bit. And it doesn't make sense. It, it like, again, you want it for murder. Leave the country. Like, go to Mexico. <laughs> right. No, no, I'm just going to, because it seems like it's in the same, like, town, like the same city. Right, like I think it's supposed to be taking place in Los Angeles. It, it definitely, it definitely doesn't seem like he has <laughs> fled that far because no. later on in the film, um, it doesn't take all that much effort to get him to Las Vegas. Um, no, no, they drive there, but so it's uh, probably it's probably L.A. So they're not so now far. Conceptually, I understand the idea of this man needs to disappear. Where will he disappear and fit in is kind of like in a a collection of or or, or a a something which has a reputation of kind of being of, of ill repute, kind of these C and D list entertainers that no one really respects or pays much attention to, or if they do, it's because of sort of like a um, a car crash sort of um, you know fascination um that he certainly wouldn't draw attention to himself by respectable society because they would not be going there but right we go from him running down the stairs to the next scene he's apparently been doing this for a while because he's already got a name he's already got a reputation he's got a carnival barker this isn't him stumbling upon something and we sort of see how he gets set up and it's just like he's fleeing down the stairs in the very next scene, he's Mentalo. It's like, well, I'm sorry, like, what? Like, was this like one of his dreams to do? Like, oh, you know what? I already have this character made up. I can, pl- I can finally be Mentalo. Yeah. Like, what? Like, like, because you know, that's like, like, like you got to think. That's like a, a kind of a crazy concept. Because not only is it okay, how can I use this power? I'm going to use it for like the most basic bullshit ever. Mm-hmm. By just reading note cards while yeah. wearing a mask. So, and that's like, tell you know, you could tell, like, it's a weird thing too, because, like, he, you know, that's his, you know, that's his like gimmick. And it's like, okay. And what about it? Like, 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 how is that like really cool? I mean, I guess that he can see it. Like, but you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, it's only cool when he, when he goes after Dick Miller and he's like seeing everything. Yeah, like his wallet and stuff. You're like, holy shit, he knows shit, and that's why he like, oh, and you have that letter from like that girl you ran away from. 
Yeah. Mm. And that like really takes the cake right there. But like, you know, like you're not okay, so like he's not furthering his research. Yeah. I that's like my big my, my big thing is like only until later on when he thinks, Oh, I can make a lot of money in Vegas and we me and Daisy, you know, Daisy, you'll come with me. Okay, that, that makes sense to me. He wants to try to like you know, not 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 cure himself, but he wants to make sure that he could actually control this power. And well, and that's, that's only later on. That's only later. Like, oh, maybe you should be doing that from the beginning. Well, and well, because here, here's the thing about that too: is that right. those that those stages in that journey need to be swapped because mm-hmm. after he flees from, you know, after he after he flees from the hospital. Yeah. We, we see him at what we believe is his lowest point, which you should kind of get there at the end of Act 2 or at the end of the movie. Right. But he kind of digs himself out a little bit, at least near the end, because mm-hmm. he goes on a run making 20 grand playing Jack, uh, playing Blackjack, right. which ultimately does result in, once again, a somehow the California um, uh, Highway Patrol ends up chasing him in a helicopter. You know, um, and, and again, that's another thing with Corman. Oh, he must he must have had a helicopter that day. Yeah. Because why else would you have that? Like, right. like yeah, it, because also <laughs> now I we have I've, the roads blocked. We have the roads blocked. There were no roads blocked. I, I also I don't know a ton about card counting, but I, I have to assume if you are accused of card counting right. in Vegas, the California Highway Patrol is not going to be chasing after you. I don't think so. And like again, he could have gotten away with it. <laughs> he he, he, like. Well, ultimately, look, Xavier is a like he's an asshole. Yeah, we, like we, he is. Like we'll that's we'll beside the point. That's we'll get yeah. We we'll, we will get to that. But <laughs> um, because as I said, as we've already kind of established, if you do get X-ray vision, I think the first two things people are going to want to try out is let me look at everybody naked, and two, yeah. let me cheat at cards because I will have right. advantages that way. That makes sense to me, right? Um, that should be the, that should have been the next thing, right? Exactly. It is weird that if you look at like the character arc of a movie in the sense of like kind of it being a parabola in which you kind of go up and things are going well, you reach your midpoint, things kind of start declining. By the end of Act Two, you're kind of at your lowest moment. Yeah, it's weird that the casino thing comes after the carnival because yeah. the carnival is him and like you know Don Rickles taking advantage of him. That's him at his lowest point. It doesn't make sense that that comes before the casino stuff because. You yeah. think if I had X-ray vision, I'm going to try and take advantage of X, Y, and Z, and yet that comes after he's being exploited and looked upon as a carnival freak. Like that—that that is a that yeah. those things are backwards. They shouldn't come in that order for it to really be an effective arc for him. Yeah, and then like as as a filmmaker, you know, like okay, fine, let's because remember, Corman takes credit for the story. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's say you know whatever. You get two people write the screenplay, you know, with the story, but whatever. And then but you got to look at it as, okay, so you had two guys write this story and the screenplay. And you didn't want to say, you know what, maybe, you know, because remember, Cor- you know, Corman had been doing this for like nine or so years now. Like, he's already like knee deep with AIP, you know, American International Pictures. So like, he's there, he's their breadwinner. Yeah. It's like the guy that's like making them tons of money for for nothing. And you didn't think to go, you know what, maybe we should switch this around a little bit just sort of for the pacing. Like, because again, while this film is fast, I agree with you. It, it doesn't make sense because like as, but again, like, is that just him trying to like do something different or is it like, oh, wait, um, we actually can do a, a casino scene. Okay, we'll do that now. But 
you know, remember, there's magic in editing. You can edit the film around any way you want. Yeah. Like, any way you film it. Like, I mean, I could film the ending first. It doesn't mean I'm going to show it first. Sure. Right? You know? So, I yeah, it, it's a little, little confusing, like, why? Because, like, yeah, because... I mean, ultimately, the ending is like his lowest because he's defeated, and like you know, we see what happens. But yeah, it's kind of weird. Like the the arc is a a confusing mess. Like, yeah, and, it, that, and that's someone, and that's from someone that likes this film. But like, it's confusing as hell. Yeah, it, it's it's it certainly <clears throat> doesn't make a ton of sense in that regard, and also the fact that why would he? Why would he show his hand in the sense of like he's drawing all this attention to himself as right. you know cheating in cards and all of a sudden and then he he's like outs himself like well because you have you know these cards right. also this you're an, ass, you're an idiot like and, you could have gotten away with it and as someone who <laughs> and this is a personal nitpick for myself um, that's yeah. not how blackjack works in the sense of everybody flips over their cards like the dealer flips over your hand so you know what you have there there's not. There is right. not that sense of tension in blackjack except for the hand of what the dealer is going to have. Exactly. So while Ray Milan can certainly look at what See. the dealer is about to pull or what his next card is going to be, no one waits around and be like, ooh, he called like he he got hit on a four. What's his hand gonna be now? Then he flips it over. That is not how blackjack works. No, that that's how we play at home, not at a yeah. at a fucking like yeah, a casino. I know. Yeah, and, and I mean it would have was played. I don't know. I mean yeah. maybe in the in the fifties and sixties. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. I'm like, eh. and it, it would have made more sense if he was playing poker because then he could see his opponent's cards and what is he uh -huh. playing against. But I also, right. you know, I know in in the sixties, the poker boom was not a thing. The World Series of Poker, I, didn't, I think, didn't even happen until the early seventies. So poker was not really a thing. I think that was even really maybe happening at, at casinos at that time. So I, that I understand, but yeah, I mean, blackjack um, was the popular game. So yeah, of course. yeah. And, and still, and I mean, once again, that's why you have a remake because poker would make a lot more sense. Yeah. And um, actually be more. And, and you know what? It would actually be more tense because even though you, even though he's cheating, it'd be like, Oh my God. Like, and then you have the other players like going like, what the hell? How does this guy know what I have? Like, yeah. Because then, then you have um, multiple multiple sources of attention in the sense of because then yeah. people are looking at the deal like is the dealer in on this where it's like well no fuck this guy and the players are all pissed at this guy because like how do you know what i have and right. so everybody is now the establishment of the casino and the individual players have turned against you um right. but that that is that's kind of a a gripe that i have with the you know the narrative as i said now an example right. of the technical my my technical gripes now, the X-ray vision, for the most part, is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, it was 1963, so I shouldn't be expecting anything that's entirely um, revolutionary. But right. uh, once again, some innovation in the sense of, you know, I know what Corman did to kind of see him looking through a building was he filmed a building that was under construction and then filmed that building when it was, like, yeah. done being constructed, basically. Really cool. Right. You know, you're yeah. kind of, you know, it just kind of looks like the, you know, maybe the sun is too high and the, the exposure is too high. But, you know, he's, he's doing what he can to kind of, like, visualize someone who can see beyond the regular light spectrum that we are used to. You know, as he says at the beginning, I only see a tenth of, of reality or a tenth of the universe. Right, um, right. How do you depict that? Very difficult. Right. But there is obviously um, that moment when it's like, oh, I can see through people's clothes. Um, right. What is supposed to be hilariously kind of typified 
when he's, you know, washing up for the surgery that he is about to go into. So this doctor comes in, stands next to Ray Milland. Ray Milland looks at him, sees him naked, but sees him from the POV of us as the viewer and the camera, not from him where he's standing. It's, right. just, it's like it is. It, it's just it's not late. a sideways shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's you know, like he's looking at the doctor sideways, but we're seeing him head on. It's just like it's lazy, incongruent cinematic right. language, um, which even, is like the whole party was like it was done. OK, where he's looking at the girl and then Daisy mm-hmm. head on like we he's looking at them head on. But yeah, they, no, you're right. Yeah, that's uh, very lazy. Actually. And, and not even in the sense of like, well, there was a like this wasn't a technical limitation. That was just a choice that was made where we're going to we're going to film him from this angle, which is not which once again is like is incongruous with what we see visually as this language of a movie. And that is further exacerbated by, as I said, the the rules of this movie that don't make any sense in the sense of like, you know, if you do look at IMDb trivia and like the goofs kind of thing, like if you can see through people's fabric of their clothes, then you can see through a tablecloth, which is not shown or you know, how is it at one moment he can see through clothes, but in the next moment he's seeing their skeletons, or, you know, how is it one moment he can see down into the into that girl's, like, internal organs, but not, he doesn't see that with everyone at all times, and there's kind of a hand-wavy line where he's, like, recording into his little digital recorder thing, where he's like, some days it's, I can see through everything, yeah. and some days I can barely see through you know, the skin of a person. So, like, they, they try and kind of explain that without really kind of explaining how... Science. Yeah, yeah how, does, how does this, like, it, do, it doesn't make sense. It's more just kind of like, well, what we need for the narrative is at this moment it has to be funny that he can see everyone naked. At this moment it has to be beneficial that he can see the girl's disease. At this moment it has to be, you know, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera kind of a thing. And, and again, I mean, you know, and they don't really even say it, but I, I, I really think it's because of the continued use of the chemical, whatever this chemical concoction is that he created, mm-hmm. the more he uses it, like, you know, it slowly starts to completely change his eyes. Like at first, you know, at the, the casino, we see they're like black and gold. Yeah. But then at the very end, it's like completely black. Like it's, it's like, there's, there's no way turning it back. Yeah. Now, like again, which actually funny enough is a very Lovecraftian thing. Like, Oh, there's nothing he can do now to, except for you know <laughs> yep. what we see, which is actually a really funny freeze frame cut. But uh, yep, as he as he uh, yeah, yeah. T- well, you know t- tears his own eyes out. I mean, you know, I mean, thankfully those nice nice friendly Christians told him to you know pull your eyes out. Yep. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> like what the what the and like those cops those, those California you know patrol whatever in the helicopter with Daisy at the end. They don't do. They don't do anything. They're just like, let's watch what's going to happen here. Actually, like from far away. Like let's let's just let's keep it going. Um, before we go on, like there's one little like tidbit I wanted to bring up was the uh, the DP for this film, mm-hmm. uh, Floyd, Floyd Crosby, worked on a million things, especially a lot of Corman stuff. But what blew my mind was he's the father of David Crosby. The musician, oh, really? which, is a, which is really weird. It makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> oh, I, hey, David, you know, you're really, you know, you're you're out there. Well, you know, my dad worked with Carmen. Oh, OK. Now I understand why you're you're so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, again, it's it, yeah, it's that the science. Be, 
I mean, the science, look what we're saying, the science behind this. Yes, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. But again, like you said, in a, in a better paced, like, like a remake of sorts, you could have where he's documenting and how each, each stage is getting worse and worse. Like now it's like, you know, when he's mentioning things like he could see through his eyelids, that's just like, it sounds cool, but like, you could easily put that in a script where while he's doing it, it's like, and he's freaking out, like, wait, now I'm seeing beyond the body now. Like I'm mm -hmm. seeing like, like beyond like what I was trying to see before. Now it's like, but if I take more, now I'm seeing like, you know, almost. And again, you know, you, like you, you had mentioned earlier, like the idea of, oh, seeing beyond reality. Wouldn't that be like, that'd be insane if like, he start, you know, like something like creepy, like he starts to see things like, like from beyond, like there's creatures and stuff that only he can see because he's seen beyond reality. He's seeing these things that we cannot see as humans, but mm -hmm. he, his eyes go beyond that. That'd be well, cool. But again, you know, the, the time period and plus the limitations, plus again, Gorman, you know, he, again, he said he was very surprised this movie made money. I don't know why he said that about this one and like not the 50 other films that he made. Like, wait, this one? You were surprised <laughs> that it made money? Mm -hmm. You actually had a good cast. Like, it's kind of funny, but I don't know. Like, it's just, there's so much potential and it's, I'm yeah. surprised it never was remade. Yeah, it, because I would also, I would like to see this remade by a, a, a writer and a director who are, in innovative in the sense of how do we depict certain things visually like i'm thinking when darren aronofsky made the fountain um yes. and there is like the sequence like the far off future sequence and they're kind of like floating in that kind of like sphere in space the yeah. way that aronofsky depicted space was he filmed chemical reactions at a microscopic level that was mm -hmm. that was you know his space basically right. Right. um so something in the sense of how do we depict certain things that we are that we've seen numerous times, but how do we do it in an, in an innovative sort of way? So like if you're going to look right. beyond physical reality, what does that look like? Well, it's hard to depict that, so let's make it something weird. But also, of course, but also just that idea of what what do we see beyond or or if we can literally see through any physical barriers, what are the things that we don't even think about? seeing or the things that we don't even think about are going to be um roadblocks not even roadblocks for us but things so so for instance they they touch upon it a little bit here i think it's touched upon in hollow man but just the idea if you can see through your own eyelids or your eyelids don't exist how do you ever sleep because you don't have darkness right yeah that's what he says like yeah like he he like there's no darkness yeah i i would have like there is darkness there's no darkness it's yeah like, i, like I would have I would like to have seen that explored more, especially because since this is basically Corman kind of doing the Invisible Man, but in a, in a different way, yeah. um, that yeah. certainly does contribute to a character who would start going insane because, like, I haven't slept. Do you know what that's like? But right. then also, like, fucking think about it, man. Like, if you can see through anything, in theory, you're walking around, you can see through the ground. Like, imagine just, like... Yeah. It's all clear. <laughs> Dude, there's just like bodies everywhere. Right. Like I'm constantly confronted with death because I can see where people, I mean, right. now allegedly it's all been cleared out, but here in New York, Washington Square Park was a one time hundreds of years ago, a mass burial ground. 
well, uh, Brooklyn Bridge, there's tons of you know, workers that died, and like, eh, they're this, they're forever stuck inside the bridge. Yeah, like, like okay, we can't get them out. Yeah, you're you're just gonna be going around, seeing bodies buried under the ground. You can't watch TV because you're probably not seeing the image. You're just seeing uh, like electrical reactions inside your machine. Like, right. Every everything yeah. that that we see as like, could you even see? Could you even enjoy like looking at the sky because maybe you're just seeing molecules interacting with it? Like just this idea of like this. This is. This is actually a, a horrific thing to to, well, to partake in. And I'll say, like the one, like little, like one little element that I actually took from this film that actually, again, shows the potential is when Daisy goes and finds him. He doesn't even know who she is mm-hmm. because he doesn't see people like we see them. Like he just sees their inside. Yeah, he doesn't re- even remember what she looks like because he doesn't see her the same way. So like. That, that's another element like how can he have a like, relationship like he's not you can't see like like you could say beauty anymore because nothing is beautiful anymore yeah. mm-hmm. and like you know there's so much again this film is very very minuscule like touches upon that but like the potential like of, of all that alone like you don't even have to go into like the cosmic horror just that alone is horrifying and then if you go that extra that little extra mile ago, holy shit. Now, because again, you could have an element of him like finding a way to almost like pinpoint at certain points, like, okay, I have it down, but like, but wait, it's wearing off. I need to take more. And then it's like, it goes back to like the cycle. Like no matter what he does, he'll never perfect it. Like, again, it's kind of, again, it's kind of like Herbert West with the reanimator fluid. Like no matter what this guy does, like it's a good idea doesn't fucking work yeah like like the science is there but it does not work i mean it works but it does not end up well no matter what you do yeah because this story could essentially be a story of addiction it's just the thing to which you are addicted breaks down the what we have experienced as our physical reality so like yeah i mean Think about, yeah, like, I mean, you and I love watching movies, but what if you sit down, like, you can't watch a movie because all you can see is the inner workings of your television because, like, of, of what you're seeing through. That would um, drive me insane. That I would, I would, you know, you want to, like, and that's something so simple, but how could you live, like, like with that, you, again, you can't sleep, you're looking, you can't even look at food the same way. You're nope. seeing the insides of, like, and it would make you sick, probably, mm-hmm. what you see inside the food, like, wait a second, this is, this processed garbage I'm eating. Like, there's so many things, like, there's so much you can do with this story. And, like, again, like, what I love, I don't know if you saw the little tidbit of what uh, Stephen King said about this movie. I did not. Okay, so Stephen King watched this movie, like, I guess as a kid or whatever. And he, and he liked it a lot. And years later, he, he had mentioned, he had heard about a, a, a separate ending for this film. Like, when Xavier, you know, Ray Milan pull, you know, tears his eyes out. Mm-hmm. But instead of just cut the freeze frame and then it cuts to the credits, oh, I can yeah, still and, and see. I could still see. Yeah. And Carmen even said, "No, that never happened." But he's like, "It's kind of funny that Stephen Stephen thought of a better ending than I did," which is cool. But again, that would that that to me is like a great fucked up ending because it'd be like, mm-hmm. 
it doesn't matter. You, you're beyond seeing now. You don't even have to have eyes anymore. It, it seeped into his, his body to the point of like, it doesn't matter. Like, yep. you don't, you're beyond that now. And like, again, that would be a very Lovecraftian ending. Where no, like, oh, it would be. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah. And even, uh, I, I mean, because I was even just reading up a little bit on like, you know, Azathoth before we began mm-hmm. this recording. Yeah. And some people have speculated that like, what could Azathoth be is like, maybe some people have speculated it is like a sentient black hole at the center of the universe. So if you, you know, it wouldn't, the movie wouldn't have to necessarily be cosmic horror, but if it does get to that point where it's like, now what yeah. I see is this sentient destruction at the center of everything we know as physical reality, like, right. yeah, just fucking kill me. Like, I mean. And, and imagine that kind of an ending where he, he sees it, but everyone's so oblivious and like only he knows that the end is coming mm-hmm. and there's nothing he can do. Right. You know, the, he sees it. So that's his curse. He sees the end coming while nobody, everyone else is so, you know, eh, we're all enjoying our lives, la, la, la. It's like, but the end is coming. Like now, you, now, and again, now you sound like one of those crazy people, the stereotypical you know, I guess you say crazy, like, you know, end of the world, the end of the world is coming, you know, like we always see in movies and TV shows, which I've never seen any of that. Have you ever seen that, like, in New York City? Very I, rare. I've seen, a blue moon. I, I've seen I've seen unhoused people that had signs about, like, with Bible verses on them, specifically right. Bible verses from Revelation, but it was more of, like, okay. the kind, but it was more of the kind of, like, turn your life to Jesus thing, then like, you know, yes, then yes. the, then, you know, the end of like the end of the world is imminent. Um, I, I have a van that like nearby, I'll take a picture of it one day. <laughs> it's one of those crazy, like beyond crazy. Like, I don't even know if it's for a church or just some guy that just likes to drive around, but I see it parked and just like, you know, you're all sinners. You're going to burn yeah, in yeah. hell unless mm-hmm. you go. And it's like, well, you're really selling it to me, man. Like, thank you. Yeah, the, those those, sign, those signs are are more about um, sin and repentance than they are about our uh, nihilism, really. Yes, um, <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, I mean, j- just imagine this movie is like, you know, this person eventually gets to a point where they're always kind of seeing like Neo does the code of the Matrix, except it's not oh, code. Man. It's just like you're always kind of seeing. Right. Like, I mean, we even we even base privacy on the sense of like, I'm going to go home and close my door and do whatever I want. But like, right. I'm looking now at like my two bedroom walls. If I can see through those, I can see into the apartment next door, past right. that apartment, into the apartment down there. Like, what 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 is what is privacy? What what becomes individualism? Like, th- these are things that could be really explored and, and broken down. And so, I don't necessarily want to criticize this movie for what it doesn't do. Right. But right. I, I am going to criticize it for what it does badly, basically. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, and I, you know, again. While I enjoy it, I agree. I agree with you 100%. So it's kind of a weird... Again, I like trash, so it doesn't matter. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will say... Now, I, I was I was under the impression watching this movie, like, oh, this is this must have been something that Ray Milan did like near the end of his career. Like, no, he was still working into the eighties. Like this was like he was he was not slumming it. He was just kind of like, yep, yeah, I'll I'll do this. I mean, granted, you know, his heyday was like a lot of those like when under the when he was under contract to his studio in like the thirties and forties. And of course, like I said, Oscar winner for The Lost Weekend, um, you know, nineteen forty eight, I think. Um I think so, yeah. But I mean, he's clearly like an old 
tired guy in this movie and I mean that plays into this character who just eventually gets to a point where he's just kind of like he's physically ah. just like existentially exhausted and just kind of like yeah. Uh. Um, but yeah it, it is it is weird that the climax of this film takes place because he's being chased by the California Highway Patrol after cheating at in cards Vegas. in Las Vegas, a different state. Um, yeah, which... and, 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 and I've done the drive between Vegas and California. Like, I've done that drive. Hmm. It's not that close. Yeah. It's, you it's... know, I mean, I mean, people, I mean, it's a, it's a big thing. Like, friends of mine that live in L.A., they do go to Vegas, like, more often than others. Like, they'll hmm. drive there. But it's a few hours. It's not... Oh, you know, I just drove a few blocks and oh, I'm already in California. Mm. Wow, it's it's kind of crazy that it's kind of crazy that um you don't really see them in Vegas at all. You just see an outside of a hotel <laughs> casino, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you see the uh the imagery of, you know, Sahara and like yeah. mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I love that. Like B-roll like, clearly smart. shot for something else, yeah. Yeah, um, for for yeah, for 20 other films that Carmen had in the works. Yeah. Which, which is funny, yeah, because that's that's what, uh, you know, yes, as someone who enjoys poker, it's like, oh, if I had extra vision, I would be down in Atlantic City immediately. Like, that's that's where I would go first and foremost. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, uh, yeah, it, and, and I do have to give props to Ray Milan because in that scene where, you know, it's the party where everyone, he realizes he can see everyone naked, I... I relate to his exhaustion just like of that person's like do you want to dance with me and he clearly has no interest in dancing he's just like no, no. leave me alone <laughs> I, same it's like i just want to be in the corner drinking a little like drink and just I, i'm more of a people watcher you know like you know unless i'm like with you know corinne or something even that corinne's like the same way where like uh let's let's stand in a corner somewhere and like not do anything yeah but but it it is it is weird that there aren't really levels of how this ability unfolds as much as depending right. on what they need for the scene. He can see this, but he can't see that. Next scene, he can see this, but he can't. And it's just like there, there, there are no yeah. rules for this, for this ability, for this universe set down. And that's what makes this movie kind of so sloppy and kind of like, yeah. I don't want to say unbearable because I watched it, but it's sort of just like, ugh, like, yeah. all right, like. Uh, I mean, yeah, you didn't watch and go, oh, this is the worst fucking piece of shit. I'm never, you know, it's not like some of the other films we've covered. No, this is not cool no. air. Um, <laughs> nothing, but, uh, nothing, nothing will be cool. Nothing air, will I be cool. I, I think that is that is like the ultimate. You know? That's that is our that's, litmus that's, test. That's the eye that he sees. You yeah, know, it's cool air. <laughs> but um, I, I think even in IMDb, something like Ray Milland even thought that this movie was terrible. Um, but he thought, but he thought that um, Don Rickles was great in it, and uh, yeah, Don, Don Rickles is is very good. He's very good. He he was a very underrated actor actually. When he, whenever he did a role, like I mean, he's great in Casino. Oh, he's great in Casino, yeah. You know, so, but again, that was his life. I mean, hell, he was like the unofficial member of the Rat Pack. Like mm -hmm. he kind of, you know, he was the only person that was allowed to make fun of Frank Sinatra. Like Frank Sinatra loved it when he would tear him apart. He and and that was a big deal because Frank Sinatra was very serious about if you said something funny about him, he'd fucking mm. smack the shit out of you. Yeah. Rickles, you're allowed. You're, yeah, you're Rickles funny. can get away with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know, which is which is a big compliment, you know. <laughs> mm. Um, but yeah, it it, it I yeah. would would really love to see this movie redone. Um, in a 
It wouldn't even have to be in a big budget, low budget, but just no. someone, someone who is who is kind of like has that idea of, um, not not necessarily what technical tools are available to me to depict a special sense of vision or you know a special a special sense of seeing, but what what are ways to think outside the box to 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 you to use cinema in a way that you know only it can be used as a visual art form to depict things that are beyond what we typically think about envision you know even even that kind of thing because once again like we we are we are our experience and how we relate to the world is actually in a way so defined by what we can't experience by what we can't do so when those barriers are removed yeah i think i think that would drive me insane like actually like literally drive me insane i mean and i try to think like besides like a benson and moorhead i you know for some reason i don't know why like but i would think like someone like a jordan peele would like Mm. this would be like like and i haven't seen nope yet i haven't seen nope but the first, you know, I think he has a good knack for like weird depictions of like reality. Well, that you know, or some, but but again, I mean, there's so many filmmakers out there that are doing stuff like this with with low budgets. So like like you said, it doesn't have to be a huge budget. It just it's the creativity. You have to be creative with the world that this takes place in. Well, and it it it, all, it also, I mean, you just raised a question about like how can one be racist if one sees past you know well melatonin in the skin basically you know right like you don't see skin color at all anymore like like everyone is just flesh and bone and organs and that's it like oh I, else? I, yeah i should say melanin not melatonin um oh yeah, yeah. melanin is is yeah I, the actual before. yeah <laughs> <laughs> melatonin well, is i think what you one, yeah, mel- melatonin, I believe, is uh, is what you is what you take to uh, um, yeah, yeah to, to try and so. to try and uh, fall asleep. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, you know, you know yeah. when you said it, I'm like, wait, ha- wait, that's wait, wait, haven't I been taking that in like truable form? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like so, like I said, just so much of our of how we even relate to people. I mean, yeah, when you see someone across a bar, like oh that person's hot. Like what if you can't see what like there's, there's so much stuff that could be there almost to the extent of like, this could be a challenge. It's like, okay, you have to limit the scope of this movie because you can't spend too much time. Well, no, I I really think it's, it's, it it has to be, like you said, an arc. Mm. The powers is very subtle at first where he could see like, you know, naked. And then it starts to get more powerful where he can actually, but he's, but he's able to control it in the beginning Mm. because he hasn't, he hasn't taken too much. So it's like you have to balance that with but also the idea that the more he abuses it, because he's yeah. wearing now, it actually gets worse for him. To of the course. point where like even though he's trying to control it, but like he's wearing again, you know, you know, not the nitpick, but like, you know, I love the sunglasses look, but how would that help either? Yeah. Once he passed the sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Like even when he loses them, I'm like, well, what did those really help you? Well, I mean, it covered your eyes, you know, but yeah. And then I, I was kind of thinking too, is like, oh, so it's sort of like Cyclops. Like once he takes the glasses off, it's, it's full, it's full blast. But you know, this optic, is what optic blast, optic yeah. blast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, just yeah, like yeah, the potential stare. 
Yeah, know? just so basically, yeah, the pitch is like, what if Cyclops was addicted to drugs? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that that was a that X. was that was yeah that was X the man with X-ray eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, not not my not my favorite movie, and yeah, like kind of like. <laughs> barely Lovecraftian, but if we think about it in the historical context, like, yeah, this this is the movie that, that came out before The Haunted Palace, which was right. the first official kind of Lovecraft adaptation, and I just recently reread, actually, uh, sub, or coincidentally, The Fall of the House of Usher, so that's where the title The Haunted Palace comes from, because mm-hmm. that's how the narrator describes the actual physical house that Usher lives in, like The Haunted Palace. Um and that was a good movie. Uh, you should all watch that movie. And, you know, just go back and read The Fall of the House of Usher. It's a good, uh, yes. very good story. But, um, yeah, so, of course, you can always get in touch with us at moviesofmadness at gmail.com. You can tweet at us. James is Wonka Kills Kids. I am uh, Nolan Fixes Teeth. There we go. I was like... <laughs> I was like, I'm not fistful of media. What am I? Um, and then, of course, we are Cast Cthulhu on Twitter. We are Cthulhu Cast on Facebook. And you can catch up uh, on back episodes anywhere that you find your podcasts. But also go to podbean. or castofcthulhu.podbean.com. Everything that we have ever posted is hosted there, of course. Um, yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, we're gonna we're gonna rotate from classic to contemporary. So we're hoping for next week we're going to have an episode up on um, 2017's The Ritual, um, written and directed by David Bruckner, who um, mm-hmm. a pretty accomplished horror director. Uh, most recently, he put out The Night House, which I know a lot of people are huge fans of. I have not watched it. Um, yeah, I know great things. Yeah, friend of the show, Jerry Smith, is a big fan of it. Um, he did um, a couple episodes of Creepshow. Um, uh, amateur night uh, segment in the first VHS, which wasn't my favorite one. I think I think that was the one with the woman, uh, you know, the 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 first woman who turns out to be like a demon kind of a thing. Oh, it, it's all right. I mean, it's 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 a cool little yeah. Yeah, but remember, he's doing Hellraiser. Yeah, and I was I was gonna say most relevant yeah. to this conversation. Yeah, he um, IMDb says he has completed directing yeah. uh, the Hellraiser remake. So, oh my god, per- he did the signal. Did oh he? My god. Yes, that was like his first film. That's Holy a great shit. movie. Yeah. Uh, okay, so no, so okay, so I really like David Bruckner then. Okay, cool. That okay, wow, that blew that blew my mind. I'm like looking, I'm like, wait, the signal? I really like that film. Holy shit. That's one we may have to get to someday. I think so. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's see. That's how the show works. We go, oh wait, yeah. That, is that actually good... works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is that cool. is a good movie. Um, and he also is a is a director of a segment in Southbound, a movie I've not seen, but I've I've heard good things. Um, yeah, it's about... a, like another anthology. Like I have a soft spot for like most anthologies. So we we don't. I mean, VHS is really our, our kind of like only anthology franchise these days. Um, but like you yeah, know, VH, yeah, not not and and that's not counting a bit. Like you know where a lot of anthology like films are made now are are based in um, found footage. That's yeah. like found mm-hmm. footage and like and then shot on video. Yeah. So you really like, you're, you're barely like getting. I mean, we should have had multiple trick or treats, but. Oh my god. That movie. Not, you know, yeah, that's still one of my favorites of all time. But again, why don't we have multiple trick or treats? Sure. Um. But yeah. Oh god. Now I'm getting pissed. I'm yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's uh yeah let's let's yeah, wrap let's... this up before James gets too. <laughs> His blood pressure gets too high and he won't be able to go to sleep. Um, but yeah, thanks you everybody for listening to this episode on X the Man, Ray, Man with X-Ray Eyes. Be sure to tune in next time where we'll be reviewing um, David Bruckner's The Original. 
Oh, the original. The ritual. But in the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia. Really, uh, 